I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, this is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far. And they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickofft.com slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor, check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to this specific site, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. Launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique. Welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. My name is Coach Shepper. I am your host, and today we have another special guest. We have Coach PJ Gibbs on the podcast tonight. Coach Gibbs is the defensive coordinator, outside linebacker coach, and recruiting coordinator for Palmetto Ridge High School in Naples, Florida. Coach, welcome into the podcast. I appreciate you coming in. Coach, uh, excited, man. It's going to be good. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Uh, first, before we get in, jump into the regular questions, I know that you have a couple of books that you have written and you have some stuff on CoachTube. Could you take a moment to kind of, uh, you know, self-promote yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, uh, so over the quarantine, uh, I wrote two books. Um, the Right Defense for Your Program was the first book that I wrote. Um, and uh, basically it's, it's uh, just through my experiences of 21 years of coaching and learning and uh, things that I've, I've learned from people all around me, uh, defensive coaches, head coaches, people that I've worked for. Um, uh, it's, it, it's got some uh, good schematical stuff in it, good practice planning. It's um, geared more towards like the, like a younger coach, like an older youth coach or a coach just starting out, but there are some things in there for an older coach. And then the um, second book, the volume two actually is more uh, advanced uh, schematically and kind of like our nickel pressures and how we defend empty and, um, and then some, some three, three man stuff. And then, collaborated with a bunch of coaches all over the country, uh, which I, I really enjoyed doing the, the fourth chapter, which was myself, Adam Harvey, and Eric Kaspowitz um, talking about how, how we as defense coordinators game plan for the week and how we develop our call sheets and things like that and practice plans. And then um, the fifth chapter was a bunch of us 
Jason Mons, myself, John Weaver, John Torrey, my brother-in-law, Justin Kramer, who's at uh, SEMO, uh, on how to build a culture um, from different perspectives uh, from the high school through the college games. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, got a lot of uh, a lot of questions about that. A lot of people, you know, uh, contacted me because, you know, we were all sitting around uh, kind of staring at each other for, for some months now. And, um, you know, it, it was it was pretty neat and um, had, had the opportunity to have Coach Don Brown from Michigan do the forward for me. I've known Coach Brown for over 15 years and Coach Aaron Ingram from USA Football, who's a dear friend of mine. And um, the second book, I had my high school linebacker coach, Don Reed, uh, do the forward as well. Steve Speck out at St. Xavier in Ohio. I've known Coach Speck for some, some years now through USA Football. And um, the Coach Tube stuff is uh, multiple courses actually kind of coincide with the book, but it's a lot of the clinics uh, that I gave over the quarantine, but it's got some, you know, more stuff in there. It's the right defense for your program. And there's the three high safety stuff. There's defending the triple option. There's a multiple pressure one. So there's, there's a bunch on there. And I always do bundles and stuff to take, you know, percentages off like that, you know, um, but that's kind of like what, you know, what, you know, what I've been doing over, uh, you know, before our season started down here um, in Florida. That's great stuff, coach. Uh, this next question that I have for you, this is one that I ask every coach that comes onto this podcast. It's because I have this fascination hearing every coach's story uh, because we all seem to have our own unique path to where we are today. Uh, so can you take a moment to kind of tell us about your uh, football and your coaching journey? Basically, how did you end up where you are now? Yeah, well, I, I, I can't believe it's been 21 years since I started. Uh, I, I, uh, played at a uh, small small high school um, on the on the shore in, in New Jersey. Um, nothing like the TV show that people might associate it with, um, but uh, small town Americana, Manasquan, New Jersey, is like a Norman Rockwell painting. Make they still do the Thanksgiving game. Uh, there's a parade and a bonfire. So any 1950s nostalgia you can think of, that's kind of like the town that I grew up in. Um, played for a great head coach, Vic Caboo. Um, won 17 state championships as a coordinator and a head coach and was my mentor growing up. And really the reason that I got into coaching uh, was because of him and my coaches at Manasquan High School and went and played at a uh, small FCS school, St. Peter's College in Jersey City and played four years there and got my degree and decided I wanted to come back and coach. And I reached out to Coach Kaboom and said, hey, do you mind if I, I'm going to student teach for Coach Price, who was my linebacker coach at the time. And I actually ended up working under Coach Price as the DC at Manasquan a few years down the road. And he said, absolutely. So I, um, I started coaching in 2001 and varsity linebackers and uh, kind of parlayed that into five years of being a position coach. And I was fortunate enough to become a coordinator at Matawan High School, which is a little bit north of us uh, for another Hall of Fame head coach, Joe Martucci in New Jersey. And I was 26 at the time. I got my first coordinator job at 26. So, um, you know, it was, it was an honor for me to really work for those two guys and, I was there for three years and uh, we coached some really good kids and we had some, you know, had a really good defense. I think we're number, I think 2008, we're number nine defense in the shore. And we'd started all sophomores the year before and we were jumping from 32nd to nine in a year. Um, and then after that, I got kind of got the bug to go back home and uh, came back to work for um, Pete Cahill at Manasquan, who was my DC when I played. And um, I was there from 2009 to 2013. Uh, became the coordinator there in 2011 and kind of a dream of mine because, you know, all the rich traditions we have at, at, at my high school growing up and, um, you know, got married in, uh, in, in 2009 and um, 
we bought our first house and, you know, we, we had my daughter in 2011 and coaches, you know, with, with two kids, it's uh, at, at most times you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, we're living in New Jersey, the taxes are insane and we're living by the beach. And my brother-in-law at the time was an uh, analyst at the university of Missouri. And um, he had been, you know, in charge of recruiting for Collier County, Florida and down here in Naples. So um, my, my, you know, my dream was to become the head coach at Manasquan and live my days out there. And, 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 you know, that, that you know, that's it. And, um, uh, you know, my wife and I we were talking about, you know, possibly moving. She had gone to Clemson. So she loved the Carolinas. And, um, you know, I said, you know what, I, I, I don't want to sell our house to rent. You know, we, we can find somewhere to have a better life. So, um, my, my in-laws had moved down here in 2013 and I just sent a bunch of resumes out. Um, I got a job offer in North Carolina. Uh, just didn't work out for us uh, schematically. Um, and then we uh, were coming down here for Easter in the spring of 2015. And I had uh, a couple interviews. I had offered two jobs. Ended up taking a, a job at Gulf Coast High School down here in Naples and sold our house in 10 days. And uh, we packed the kids up July 2nd of 2015 at 1 a.m. And got down here the next day around 2 p.m. after we stayed in Jacksonville and um, have been here ever since. Uh, I was at Gulf Coast for three years. We won the first district title in the history of the school, which had only been open since 1998 in 2016. And then uh, right now I'm at Palmetto Ridge. We have um, the number one team in Southwest Florida. We're 4-0 with uh, four consecutive shutouts defensively. And uh, I just found out today that, knock on wood, as my wife said, we're the only team in the state of Florida not to let up a point uh, this season so far. So um, our kids are phenomenal. Our coaching staff is great. I can't say enough good things. I got a former player of mine that I coached at Matawan. That's my DB's coach and co-DC, um, Nick Citro, and they're doing a great job. So kind of like how we went from Manasquan, New Jersey, to Naples, Florida. Wow, Coach. That's very impressive uh, what you guys have been able to do so far this season. That's pretty cool. Um, and that's coming from – I'm impressed because I, I was a defensive coach the last couple of years, so I know – all of what it takes to kind of get to that level. Um, leadership, though, that's what I really want to talk about right now for the next question. Um, it's something I've been doing a lot of a deep dive into ever since COVID hit. How would you describe your own personal leadership style as a coach? I mean, I, I think looking at kind of like how I've evolved over the years, you know, obviously when you're a younger coach, really you, you kind of, you want to win, right? You, you, you know, you, you want to win, you want to win, you want to win. And as you get in this business for a little while and figure out that it's really servant leadership, right? Like you're there for the kids and winning will come, you know, this, that, the other thing. But I think um, as, as far as a leader, uh, I, I think leading by example, but also showing the kids that you're human and, and holding yourself accountable. And, and admitting when you're wrong, don't, don't not being prideful and saying, well, th this is my way or the highway. And, um, you, you know, especially when it comes to kids today, you know, they're a lot different than when you and I grew up. Um, just, 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 just the way the world is, you know, it's, it's changed. So I think you have to be very transparent in that aspect, but um, I'm from the Teddy Roosevelt uh, is kind of speak softly, but carry a big stick type of diplomacy. Right. So like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to scream and yell all the time, but, I have high expectations for our kids and the kids know that. Um, and they know when, when they make a mistake that if it's something that had been explained to them in a meeting, then they're going to get jumped a little bit. If it's something like example for today, like, you know, we didn't get a chance to go in and meet before practice because we get, you know, lightning down here or whatever. So we went right out on the field and did a walkthrough. 
for about a half an hour. And, you know, our, some of our assistant coaches were kind of getting on our kids. And I just said, Hey guys, like we didn't meet on this. Like we walked through it. Like they're going to make mistakes. It's new stuff that we're doing. So don't, don't jump on them. Like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like in the sense where like, um, I think of like of Bo Schembechler, like when, when, when you are like, the kids are doing a really, really good job. You know, that's when you'd be really, really hard on them because you want to, you want to chase perfection, but when they're screwing stuff up and it's stuff that you really didn't go over, don't jump on them. Like that, that's when you coach them up. And that's when you kind of, you know, pull them aside and say, Hey, that, you know, what are you looking at? What's your read? Okay. Your hands need to be here, you know, for certain positions and things like that. So I, I, I would say I've, I've evolved at that, you know, um, as I've gotten older, um, but, I, but I would say as far as leadership style, I would say like, I'm not going to do something or say anything that I wouldn't have done as a player. And I, I think the kids respect, respect me with that because they know that um, I'm upfront and honest. And I think honesty is a lost art in today's world. I'm extremely upfront and honest with our kids when it comes to our scheme, what we expect of them, and then also from the uh, recruiting perspective. Good stuff, coach. Um, for for me, you know, this is not I'm not the one being interviewed, but uh, for me, the the whole leadership thing. The biggest thing that I've seen is that everyone says, "Be true to who you are, um, and don't try to be somebody else." When I was a little younger than I am now, I tried to be, you know, the rah rah, you know, yelling every play kind of coach, and it just it wasn't me, and I didn't feel right, and I felt exhausted at the end of the day. And then now, I'm I'm being true to myself. I'm that relationship coach, you know, like if, if I'm yelling, there's a problem, you know, I usually don't yell yep. that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, no, no, I, I, I agree. And I think too, like you, you talk about trying to you know, try, I, I think you can look at other coaches. Like I'm obviously as a defensive guy, I'm a big fan of, you know, I, you know, coach Brown and I have a great relationship. So I, I love his leadership style. His, the players love him, you know, and that, that's kind of how I emu- I want to emulate myself to be like him. Um, and then, you know, you look at a guy like, you know, Coach Saban and Coach Belichick and, you know, how they're so cerebral and, um, you know, they really, you know, they really don't have to scream and yell. I mean, you, you rarely see, I mean, obviously blown coverage, things like that. You see, you, you know, because the camera's always on Saban, right? When you watch Alabama play, you know, if that guy sneezes, the camera's, the camera's on him. Um, but, but I think when you get to that point in, in the culture that it's taken us three years to build this culture here, um, there, there's a, there's a, there's an aura about, you know, we have this, our, our, our hashtag is the black shirt defense. And what does it mean to be a black shirt? And it, I kind of, you know, emulated, you know, kind of like Nebraska, you know, the black shirt defense, but we, you know, we have the kids know, like, if you're going to play defense at Palmetto, you got to have a mindset. Like there is no, there's no room to be jogging to the football, loping, we call it being a traitor. Like you're not going to be a traitor right, or, or you're going to go play. I mean, I've, I've literally in, in spring practice, I've literally get, taken kids out of drills and taken their black shirt and given them a white shirt and get, sent them to the offense. Because to me, that sets the precedent for it doesn't matter who you are. If, if you're not willing to do what, what everybody else is willing to do, you're just not going to be a part of it. It's not that you're a bad person. Just this isn't for you. You, know, you can go, go play offense. I like that though. That, that's, that's pretty cool for you guys. Now, speaking of defense, uh, you've obviously written some books on the topic and you've done some different, um, you know, presentations. What defense do you run and why do you run that system? 
Well, I, I mean, I grew up in the fourth three. Um, my head coach was very good friends with Coach George Walsh at Virginia, who was uh, Al Golden was DC there. Uh, Mark D'Onofrio, actually, his first college coaching job was coaching me as a senior in college at a small FCS school. And, you know, my coach was at uh, Miami recently, and then he was at Houston with Major Applewhite before they got let go. But, um, you know, I, I'm a 4 3 guy by trait, but as, as the offenses have evolved, I think if you don't evolve with the offense, you're going to be stagnant. And I, and, and I think that's going to end up hurting your kids. So I would say I'm, I'm going to play the defense that best fits our personnel. So, like, we have evolved this year to a, <clears throat> a bare front, also into a three high safety look package because that's what our personnel dictates. So, in other words, I want to put our kids and our coaching staff wants to put our kids in the best position to be successful. And I think at the end of the day, as a coach, that's what you want to do because you, you, we, we keep it simple. Like people will look at our tape and be like, oh, you guys are doing all this stuff. And like, no, not really. Like it's, we, we, we want you to think that, you know, we want you to think that we're, we're being as multiple as we are, but we're really not um, because we just want our kids to, we, and coach, you know, as a coach in defense, you want your kids just to go, man. You know what I'm thinking. If, if, if they're thinking they're playing slow and then by that time, Somebody's right, you know, you know, right by him. So I would say philosophically a four, three guy just, but now what I do is every off season, we look at, okay, who we have coming back, what should we do and what colleges do we need, need to go visit um, to make ourselves better as coaches. Uh, so as a defensive coordinator, I worked alongside our defensive coordinator a lot the last couple of years um, because he knew that I was in, I'm, highly interested in becoming a coordinator myself. Maybe not so much a defensive coordinator, but um, I won't trade the experience for anything. You know, for coaching on the defensive side of the ball will make me a better offensive coach in the long run. Um, and so I had to help him out with the practice organization and all that kind of stuff. So I'm interested to know, as the defensive coordinator, how do you organize defensive practice to get the most out of your time? So I will, um, you know, when we meet Saturday mornings, um, you know, we'll review the tape and grade the kids. Um, then we'll look at our next opponent and the breakdown and all that stuff. And then as a staff, we'll say, okay, what, what do we need to do this week to be successful? So I'll take ideas from our linebackers coach, our D-line coach, and, uh, you know, and um, Nick, Nick and I work closely together. Um, you know, like I said, Nick's a former player of mine. So um, it, it's, it's really cool to have a guy that you coach as like your right-hand dude, um, you know, because, I, again, I remember coaching him when he was 17, 18 years old as a linebacker for me when I was young. I mean, I was like, I was 26, 27, you know, as a coordinator. Um, but we'll say, okay, you know, we, got, you know, we, we always, always need to do a walkthrough. We get the garbage cans out, always got to do a walkthrough. Um, and then depending on what type of team we're playing, we'll, we'll send the box guys linebackers and D-line will go down and they'll go through run fits. And then we'll work on with the, with the outside linebackers and the secondary we'll work on pattern match and then we'll work um, motions and checks and things like that. So that way we're both working at the same time. We get about a half hour for that. Um, we'll tackle, we'll, we'll tackle, we'll tackle every day, um, whether it's individual or, or uh, like tomorrow and Wednesday we'll do um, our, well, four tackling stations that we'll get 20 minutes to do. Um, to make sure everybody's, you know, we're, we're working on our, our shoulder tackling or keeping our cleats in the ground and, um, you know, making sure we're, you know, not over pursuing and things like that. 
Um, and then really looking at the game film from the previous week, it's like, okay, well, um, you know, maybe we, we need to do something different with tackling. Maybe we need to uh, do, uh, you know, a different turnover drill. Um, so it's really like a week-to-week thing of what we need to do to be, to be, the, the, be successful. Um, our, our head coach gives us, you know, as much time as we need, which is, which is great. Um, you know, he'll say, okay, the practice schedule's out. You go ahead and type it up and edit it in Google Sheets. We'll edit it. And then, you know, he'll, he'll give us whatever we need. And he'll mirror with, with the offensive guys. Because we really only have um, like four or five guys that go two ways. Everybody else is a one-way guy. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, I would say, like, to, to look as, as the defensive coordinator is to look at um, what you need to change from the week before. But also, too, like, you know, um, do we need a blitz period to work on our angles? Do, you know, do we need a, a screen period uh, for the defensive line? You know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's little things like that that I think <clears throat> get overlooked because, it, like, I think, I think some guys assume that their kids know it. Um, we're, I'm always in there something that they don't know it, so we have to teach it and, and make sure that they understand, okay, you know, what is your pass rush lane? What does this mean? What does that mean? And um, like today we're in upper, so we're doing, you know, a lot of high tempo stuff. Um, but as you, as you probably know, coach, high school kids, a lot of them don't know how to practice in uppers because it's, it's like we got to kind of get after a little bit like, hey, it's okay, just don't, just don't go low. You still stood up top, just, just don't go low. So I would say that. I would say looking at yourself from the week before and then also kind of adding everything into your, your previous week's practice plan to make yourself successful. Um, the next question that I had for you here, it's an interesting one that I ask a lot of defensive guys. Um, it's one that I ask myself a lot. It's what offense do I not like preparing for? Now, if I were to ask, if I were to ask my head coach, we play – there's this one team in our district that we play every year, and last year we played them twice because we played them in the playoffs. They run foot-to-foot double wing. Oh, yeah. And it, old school. Old school, and, you know, they're, we had better athletes than them, mm-hmm. but in both times that we played them, we found ourselves down 14 nothing pretty quick. You now we came back and won both of those games, but – that's the if I had to say in offense that my defense coordinator hates facing, he hates that. He hates watching it on film because he's a spread guy. He mm-hmm. loves the spread, and he's like, mm-hmm. "I'm gonna bang my head against the wall if I have to watch Superpower anymore." You know, and, <laughs> and, you know he doesn't like he doesn't like those old school offenses because he finds them boring. Which you know, to me, because I love all offenses, I don't find them boring, but he does. Uh, so, if you had to choose an offense that you just hate to prepare for, what would it be and why? I'm going to give you two. Okay. Um, first one is any type of option offense, triple option, uh, split back veer, flex bone, and any – because, again, it's, it's – you really need the kids to understand that they can't look for the ball. They need to stay disciplined. But we faced our first game this year – Naples High School is a split back beer team. Now, they're, they're the traditional power down here. Um, we were the first Collier County team to beat them in seven years and the first team to shut them out in 14. Um, I mean, they, they, the, uh, they're running back from a couple years ago. The Malus, Ches Maluski is the backup running back at Clemson. Um, they got a tight end that's playing for the University of Miami. Right? I mean, they, got, they usually got dudes. Um, so the split back veer flex bone, definitely number one for me because it's just, 
it's option football. And it's you're relying on 16 and 17 year old kids to do their job for 48 minutes. And it, you're just holding your breath. Every time a quarterback pulls a ball, you're like, somebody, you know, you're just, yeah. Um, and then I would say second would be spread with, with, a, with a athletic quarterback run game because it's just the numbers in the box, especially when they have guys outside that, that, are, that are playmakers. And then you got to worry about them, but also too now they got the back with the quarterback numbered, outnumbered in the box. I, I think that's that honestly would, would keep would keep it keeps me up more at night than the option stuff, because you can draw everything up great. You can have your kid in the perfect spot to make a play, but that quarterback is more athletic than your linebacker. And then you then then you got yourself a problem. Um, so I would say those two. I would say those two just for the aspect of high school football and and discipline and um, and then obviously the the athletic quarterback in the in the run game and with the spread ed and the numbers in the box. I would have to say that you and my uh, my head coach, who's the defensive coordinator, the head coach, he would agree with you. Huh. <laughs> um, he he's a big power spread guy and that's what we have evolved into uh we spread to run the ball sure and our best athlete is our quarterback yeah and he can do both he can throw it and he can run it but he's a better runner than anybody else on our team and like you said you get that extra blocker with running back or a little bit of misdirection those defenses don't know what's coming no it's Uh, it's it's tough because you're you know, like I said, you can have the, the perfect pressure call or you can, you can be in position to make a play. But at the end of the day, us as coaches, we can only get those guys in the right spots. We can't tackle the quarterback for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to make sure that you, you drill the heck out of it and just hope you can hang on until the cavalry gets there. Yeah, and there, there were some, t- some games last year where I think we called – we had a called quarterback run – 15 to 20 times a game. He, he was, he was that good. And we got him back this year. So hopefully in Virginia, we get a season this year. That'd be good so, for you guys, man. I, I hope so too. Yeah. Um, you are also the recruiting coordinator on your staff. Could you describe the duties that you perform at that position? I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's really, I, I really love it. Um, I, I love helping kids, man. It, it's, um, you know, we, we're fortunate. We have, we have four power five kids on our team. Um, a two wideouts, a tight end, and a running back. Uh, the two wideouts are seniors, the tight end's a junior, and uh, the running back's a sophomore. Um, so post-COVID, with, with those two underclassmen, we'll get a lot of foot traffic in just looking just for them. Um, I mean, and th- those guys are easy. I mean, you know, Caleb Cousins is 6'5", 225, and he's a tight end defensive end. Uh, Jaden Booker is 5'10", 220 and ran for 1200 yards as a freshman and 10 touchdowns last year and has six power five off. You know what I mean? So like, like those kids are going to get offers. Like I, we have a bunch of guys that coaches want to play football. So it's okay. Um, making sure they have social media set up, making sure that they're have, especially now because coaches can't come visit. I got to make sure I text everybody and just say, Hey guys, make sure you get your highlights updated on huddle because coaches are looking. Um, making sure their transcripts are, are, are sent when they need to be sent, making sure that they're scheduled for tests, ACT and SAT, making sure they understand the sliding scale with the NC2A with el- eligibility, making sure they fill the fa- understand the FAFSA form needs to be filled out, doing Zoom presentations on recruiting to the parents so they understand what's going on and, and crushing some dreams. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, 
you know, oh, what do you mean my son's not division? Well, he's going to be a senior and no division one school has contacted him. Now, if you want to try to get him to walk on, we can do that, but that's going to cost you money. You know, they'll, they'll take you as a walk on. They don't got to pay for you, you know, um, we're just kind of, kind of getting the kids to realize that NAIA is okay. Division two is okay. Like go get your education paid for because at some point football is going to stop. You know, I, I think this, the social media and the self gratification of the kids today is, you know, everybody wants to be D1, D1, D1. Well, how about being D2 and getting your, getting everything paid for and getting a degree out of it. And, and coach, you know, as well as I do, if, if, if you want to go to the league, they'll find you. They will, they will find you D- division three. How many guys from Mountain Union in the NFL? You know, it's, 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 you know what I mean? So it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of work, but I, I, I really, really enjoy it because we'll, we're going to have the last year was the biggest signing class in the history of the school. This year, we're, we're going to double that. Um, and it's, 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 it's a testament to the hard work the kids are putting in in the classroom and on the field and in the weight room. And, um, you know, it's, it's just awesome. It, it's, it's great because we're, we're going to have almost 20 kids at that signing table. Oh, crossing our fingers, we can have it at the signing table. Um, but, yeah, that's that, and, and just um, setting up camps for the kids and, and you know, talking with coaches and, and just they'll call and say, hey, you know, we like this guy. What, you know, what, what, and and I, told, I tell the kids, I'm going to be honest with because I'm not going to burn a bridge with a college for a kid behind you. So, like, if, you, if you're not a good student, if you're a pain in the butt in class, I'm going to let that college know because I'm not ruining my reputation and you're not going to ruin something for a kid behind you. Like, I'm not going to lie to a college coach just to get you an offer. You, you have to do all that work. You have to be attentive, be respectful, do your job, do your work, make sure you're on time to class, don't be late. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of work, but I love it. It's, it's a lot of work, but I absolutely love it, man. It is, it is a great feeling when you see those kids sign that letter of intent and know that – because a lot of the kids in our school, to be honest with you, they come from nothing. Like, they have zero. Zilch. And to get them a full, a full scholarship somewhere, there's no better feeling in the world, man. Yeah, football is one of those things that – especially today, you know, you got a lot of people who don't understand it. They, they haven't been part of the game. And they're like, well, you know, you can still go to school without football. Eh, yeah. You can, but, you know, football is a pathway to further education for a lot yeah. of kids. I, I mean, football, and uh, it, I say it to the parents, football is a vessel for their education. If, that, if playing football is going to get them to the school they wouldn't get to without football, go play. Mm-hmm. I agree, Coach. I've had that discussion with lots of parents before. Even, uh, you know, D3 doesn't give scholarships, and D2 it's partial, but, you know, we've sent – kids d3 d2 and sure. they're still playing and but they're getting a great education out of it too so yeah, yeah. Uh, last question because i don't want to uh keep you up too late tonight coach uh, you, you've coached for the u.s national team a uh, couple different stats here head coach for the under 17 stars in 2018 the u17 select in 2019 and the japanese u17 in 2020 could you describe your experiences doing that? Um, the, they're, well, first and foremost, USA football is one of the, if not the most first-class organization I've had a chance to work for. Um, 
I've been involved with them since 2008. Um, I'm also a master trainer for USA Football, so I go across Southeast and talk about um, heads-up tackling and safety protocol and everything like that. Um, the national team program is, is phenomenal. Uh, Aaron Ingram, Charles Tedesco, Al Pops, those guys. Um, and then on the, on the master trainer side, Andy, Andy Ryland, uh, Rashad Ellaby, um, just, just, just great people to work for. Um, the national team program, I can tell you that there is no better experience as a high school coach to be A, representing your country, um, but B, to be able to do it on a stage says, such as AT&T Stadium. It, it's, it's a great and, – and you're coaching just phenomenal kids, great families, like people that just love the game of football. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just something that I, I – I really can't put into words. I mean, it's just, and you know, to, to, to go out on that field and, and, and be wearing the stars and stripes. And, um, you know, I had, um, you know, my, uh, my grandfather was a world war II veteran. Um, I had two uncles that served in Vietnam. Um, so for me, it, it's, it's very personal, um, you know, to do that. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, the kids that I've coached and the staffs that I've worked with have been great. Um, this past January that, you know, Coach Ingram had asked me um, if, if he's like, do you want to coach the Japanese team? I was like, coach, if you need me to do it, I'll do it. And he, the, the cool thing was he let me pick my staff and I got to bring my high school position coach, two guys that mentored me that coached with my head coach um, in the, in the eighties uh, older, you know, guys that are older and, um, and then uh, uh, two of my buddies from down here in Florida and another buddy from New Jersey. And the, the, the experience with those kids was phenomenal. And I, I told those guys, it's going to be the easiest week of practice of your life. Because you tell those kids something once, it is done. It is done. And, and, and we ended up winning, uh, winning that game this year against the U-17 national team, 28-20. Uh, to 20. Um, In the two previous years, I think we beat Canada on the Ontario All-Star team by like a a score of like 128 to seven, um, you know, and again, that's a testament to the hard work the kids and the coaching staff put in. Uh, the thing with those games is um, I, I've done five in a row. Uh, I, did, I did one in uh, 2016 as the U15 DB coach and 2017, I was the DB coach of the U17 Japanese team actually. But the thing with that is you have such a limited amount of time. You really need, organization needs to be on point because you only have, seven practices plus a scrimmage to get a group of kids ready, a group of guys ready. Um, that, that, that's one thing our staffs did a phenomenal job of is that like we had our, both our playbooks were games in January by mid December, everything was done. Everybody talked, this is what we're going to do. I sent out the practice plans. So we're going to set it up. So we, so we, we, we landed in Dallas and we met, we were, we hit the ground running. Um, but, but those experiences are something, I mean, it's great too. Cause like, you know, my wife will send me a picture of, the, of my kids watching the TV, you know, and they have their, their stuff on and, you know, USA stuff. And um, it, as a, as a husband and a father, you, you can't, you can't, I mean, it, it's just, it's just a great feeling to have your family, you know, support you like that. Well, coach, this has been an awesome podcast. I really appreciate you coming on tonight. No, it's been great. Coach, this has been great, man. I, I love and anytime talking football, man. I I love this. this is good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to have you on another time. Maybe uh, 
you mentioned uh, culture before. Maybe sure. we can have an episode that's mainly mainly on culture because I love I love talking culture too because that's a uh, another thing I've been deep diving into. But um, yeah, I'd love to have you on again sometime. Sure, man, absolutely. Awesome. This has been Coach Sheffer, and we are signing out. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at jrockfordheath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother.